Welcome to the Fire Trainers Podcast, Season 3, Episode 26, published on August 22nd, 2022. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Today, we'll be talking with George Harris about training quality instructors. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Fire Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com and learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. You've gone along, gone through the process, getting certified and establishing your business. Don't overlook your insurance coverage. Go with FTA coverage. This episode is brought to you by the ConcealedCarry.com Firearm Instructor Network. ConcealedCarry.com is always looking for quality firearm instructors across the country to join the network. As a network instructor, you can take advantage of ConcealedCarry.com's advertising platform to fill your classes. Visit class.concealedcarry.com and click on Instructor to learn more and see if it would be a good fit for you. Again, visit class.concealedcarry.com for more information. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by George Harris from International Firearm Consulting and former SIG Academy Director. Welcome, George. Uh, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Rob, it's absolutely a pleasure to be here. Anytime I can uh, add to the till for your your very popular podcast, I'm always glad to do it. Well, we're very very happy to have you back on. We were uh, had you in season one, episode fifteen, and now we're into uh, season three, and we've got a very good topic for us uh, to talk about today. And excited to have you on. Okay, well, yeah. let's go with it. Well, let's talk about training instructors and that might be seem like a really simple thing because a lot of the instructors that are listening to us have gone through certification classes nra uscca whoever the certification organization is but i think it's a little bit deeper you know that we can have a conversation on to really get people to understand being an instructor and instructing instructors there's a little bit difference uh nuances there when it comes to things because you're really teaching the teachers that will teach the next generation so my first question for you, can you describe what are the big challenges between training instructors and training you know, firearm students? Well, um, in, in training students, all you've got to do is communicate to them directly so that they understand what, uh, what you're trying to get across. Uh, when training instructors, you are communicating with them as to how to communicate what you just communicated to the students. Uh, it's got to make sense. Uh, it's got to be believable. And uh, it's got to be uh, reproducible. And they have to be able to demonstrate it. So uh, there's a little bit more responsibility, you know, for uh, an instructor teaching instructors, uh, because you've got to make sure that these people actually can get the material across in an effective manner to extract performance out of their students. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a firearm student, you can tell them to press the trigger slowly to get a better shot off with an instructor. You really got to make sure they understand why they need to go along and press that trigger slowly, you know, having their student uh, do things or drills to go along and help uh, reinforce it. Because if they don't understand about when to tell a student to do certain things, then they've, then they are going to lose uh, that opportunity with that student. Yeah, one of my things is is, is how we communicate, and uh, you uh, in, in the firearms business, we use words in a lot of cases that um, we could actually use better words for. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Um, 
when we talk about the gun kicks, you know, the gun will just kick a little bit. All right. Well, you just told that student that they're about to be hurt because who do you know it likes to be kicked? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. There you go. All right. So you just told them that they're about to be hurt. They don't know how long it's going to last, how bad it's going to be. They just know they're going to be hurt. So that distracts them completely from everything that you're trying to get them to do because they're waiting for that kick. So even the word recoil is not really a good word to use. And we we would like to use something like the gun pushes back in the hand uh, or the gun lifts and settles, you know, lifts off the target and settles back to the original location. It's how you communicate what you want them to know that's that's really, really, really important. And um, I'll give you another one. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you, you've already used this term a couple of times and I'm not trying to correct you. So don't, let's don't go there. But when we talk about pressing the trigger, mm-hmm. um, when we press thing, things in life, do we do that towards us or do we do, do that a, away from us? Like we get on an elevator and we press a button to change the floor. Is that towards us? It's or away, away from us. Okay. Mm-hmm. When we bench press some weights, is that towards us or is that away from us? It's away from us if we okay. have any choice about it. It, it, it. I hope so. <laughs> so, so. So my point is, is when we use the word press, it's a confusing thing to a person that doesn't know anything about firearms because we're asking them to move something, the trigger, towards us. But we're telling them by using the word press that we're going to move it away from us. So when we move things to us, we use the word pull. It's like pull a rope. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when we, we use terms uh, in describing manipulations, handling, and this type of stuff uh, to students, we should be careful to help to coordinate what we're telling them with what they already know. And if, we tell them something that they already know. It's easily assimilable. It's easily absorbed. And they never even have to question it. A lot of what I, I do and have done, um, you know, works around, you know, just terminology. And, uh, you know, in the adult learning end of things, um, you know, I, I went through drill instructor school in 1972. And it was a lot of, uh, you know, I talk, you listen type stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, if you didn't communicate correctly, the students were sitting there thinking, what did he say? And I've gone on to, you know, two or three other points, and they're still thinking about that first point that they never did understand in the first place. So the point I'm trying to make is when we communicate with students, we want to do it in a manner in which there's no doubt in what you mean and how you mean it and what you want them to do. If there is doubt, then you failed in, in your communication of, of the material and the person is going to end up being lost. And therefore, you have to go back and fix a problem because they never got it in the first place. Yeah, so, I've, I've used the press trigger for a very long time. Me too. But, but when you go along and start talking about pull, that is the, you know, even though we're bringing the finger back toward you that's more of a pulling action but we've always called it you know pressing the trigger not pulling the trigger right so that's a very uh 
very uh, small nuance, but, but also at the same time, I, I, I can see where your point is. It's easier for the brain to process. Right. And again, we're talking about people that are not gun people, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're starting somebody brand new. So we need to take what they do in real life and parallel it to what we want them to be able to do with the firearm. An another one is squeeze. You know, we, we, you know, use the term squeeze the trigger forever. And, you know, when I'm talking to instructors, I just simply say, okay, fellas and gals, um, think about the last thing you squeezed. Don't want to know it's none of my business. And then we get a big chuckle out of that, which is part mirth is part of learning as well. It's like a swimmer taking a breath doing the Australian crawl. Mm -hmm. you, know, if you throw a little funny in there that gives the person a chance to make sense of what you just said. But at any rate, so when we squeeze stuff, we've been squeezing since we were a, a, a baby in the crib and we always did it with the whole hand, thumbs, fingers, everything uh, working together. So when we tell somebody to squeeze the trigger, we're suggesting to them that tightening the grip as we manipulate the trigger is okay, and it's not. Because when then we turn around and we say, all right, trigger control is the independent manipulation of the trigger finger from all the rest of the digits of, of the hand. Well, wait a minute, you just told me to squeeze the trigger. Squeeze, I do all my digits together. Now you're telling me I can't do that. Which is it? See where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about moving the trigger, you know, we can call it pull, we can call it manipulate, we can call it operate, you can call it whatever you want to, but squeeze ain't it, and press is not much better. So good points. Very good points. I'm I'm writing these things down because I've never really kind of thought about it to the extent that you're challenging me on that. And that's uh you know, little, little things to make, make the student learning better as, sure. a, as an instructor. Sure. So, um, you know, I coined this phrase when I was at SIG, you know, SIG stands for simple is good. And I, I always said that, you know, the SIG principle is better than the KISS principle because we've eliminated 25% of the letters in the, in the acronym. Of course, everybody smiles and you know gets gets a big chuckle out of that. And again, that's part of that that little bit of mirth. But my goal, um, oh, I don't know, probably for thirty years, is to been been to to simplify how we communicate the information that we need to communicate. And um, when I start with anybody. And I don't care if they've never seen a gun before or if they're a special operator from the elite military group, doesn't make any difference. You know, we, I started, you know, the two things we need to be concerned with when we're working with farms. Number one, safety. Safety is defined as going home with the same amount of holes you left home with. Mm -hmm. That was a bank Millerism, by the way. Um, and the other is success. All right, safety and success, they're the two things. And the objective of shooting is hitting your target. So we're going to call success hitting your target. So, all right, we got those two things down. Most people can remember two things without a whole lot of problem. So now all we have to do 
is to remember two things that will give you both safety and success. Number one is muzzle management. All right. So from a safety standpoint, uh, muzzle needs to be pointed in a safe direction at all times. Safe direction is defined as any direction in which should the gun discharge minimal property damage, no personal injury would occur. All right. Well, that's good. So then I throw out. So from the time you take the gun out of the storage location and we transport it and go to the range or, you know, whatever we do with it. Are we thinking about where the muzzle is pointing at all times? And in most cases, we aren't. We're not. Yeah. But we should. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now I've just created a mindset that they will, it makes sense. Okay. So anything that we do makes sense. It's got to make sense. So, you know, if they can question it, they're going to discard it and throw it in the trash can, the mental trash can. Mm-hmm. So at any rate, then we talk about, you know, muzzle management, safe direction. All right. Um, in order to achieve a hit on the target, the muzzle has to be pointed at the target when the bullet exits. So if we can point the muzzle at the target when the bullet exits, what's the likelihood of hitting the target? Pretty good. Kind of, kind of hard to argue that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, I, I want you, I mean, I respect you a lot, and I, but I want you to argue with me if I don't communicate something that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. call my hand on it. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm giving you permission. I'm asking you to do that. So muzzle management gives you safety and success. All right. The, the other thing is trigger finger discipline. All right. So no firearm that we're going to be associated with is going to jump up and start barking bullets by itself. Just don't happen. Right. Right. So if we keep our finger off the trigger until we're on the target and we've decided we're going to shoot the target, what's the likelihood of the gun going off? Very unlikely. Yeah. Very unlikely. Lightning strike, maybe, you know, stuff happens. But uh, Mm -hmm. so if if we keep our finger off the trigger, uh, we've got safety. And if we keep the muzzle pointed in a safe direction, we've got safety. If we point the muzzle at the target and we operate the trigger to cause the, the firearm to discharge without moving the muzzle, what's the likelihood of success? Pretty high. Daggone right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now all we've got to do is to remember safety and success, muzzle management and trigger finger discipline. And we already know how to be safe with a firearm. And we also know how to be successful with a firearm. You know, can we add to that? Well, of course. I mean, you know, you can put whip antennas, curb feelers, and and fender skirts on anything. But the bottom line is, for the average person that doesn't know anything about guns, and they're absolutely petrified when they walk in the classroom that we've got guns in the classroom, all of a sudden they realize that the only two things that they need to do is to practice good muzzle management and trigger finger discipline, they'll be both safe and successful. Holy cow. Where, where, where is it? Where, what's hard about this? That's that simplified it. Yeah. Let, let lesser me as a new student to worry about it. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, basically when you, you go from there, it's, you know, the person is, is, is a little bit more comfortable and they've taken a deep breath and like, holy cow, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And uh, now they're open to, to learning. And you talk about 
um, basic nomenclature. You know, this is the trigger. This is the muzzle. This is the hammer. These are the grips. You know, this is what we do. And then when we get into um, the, the gun and the user, what we talk about is we'd like to show you how to fit the gun to your hand because everybody has different size hands. Some are big, some are small, some have long fingers, some have short fingers. And the bottom line is, is if we can fit the gun in our hand so that the muzzle, when we extend our hand and the gun together, points in the same direction as our index finger. If, as if we were going to say, hey, you, and we pointed our finger, through eye-hand coordination, the gun is automatically on the target. Now, that's mm -hmm. force alignment, but in some cases, in close proximity, short time duration, low light events, which you know what I'm talking about there, which is mm -hmm. most of the shootings, that's all you need in the first place. So you're using your eye-hand coordination, your natural point, to put the gun on the target, to put the muzzle on the target. And once the muzzle's on the target, it's okay to pull the trigger if we're going to, if we intend to engage that target. Mm -hmm. so and, we've, we've, and we've been born with hand-eye coordination, you know, and we've been doing it for a long time. I mean, absolutely, we reach out for rattles, you know, when we're infants yep. and teething uh, rings and different things like that. Yep. And, you know, we yep. play sports, which require all that. So, you know, going along, doing like you said, pointing the finger at the target, that's uh, another great way of uh, simplifying it thing for the shooters. So one of the things that I've, I've really uh, driven myself to do is to take a person's natural attributes and to encourage the instructors that I teach to recognize a person's natural attributes of, of vision and sense of touch and eye-hand coordination and use those in a manner in which it enhances their ability to perform and their ability to learn information and we start that with when we start a class it's this is what you'll know and be able to do when you complete this class so we've already told them what you're going to do and then we tell them why that's important and then we tell them how to do it we show them how to do it and then they do it and if it makes sense mentally when they're physically doing it it's locked in for life because there's no, re no need to question. So if you present material so that it is, uh, I kind of coined a, a, a term, um, non-arguable. I think inarguable is the appropriate term, but I like to use non-arguable. In other words, if I tell you something, you won't be able to argue because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if it makes sense, you'll do it. And if you do it and you're successful, you accept it and you continue to do it. And then you're happy to share it with somebody else and share it. They'll share it with somebody else because it made sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we go back to muzzle management and trigger finger discipline, anybody, I mean, I, I, I love teaching women because they, they, are gregarious they're talkers they all get together and, and they uh, you know they share information 
So I, I've seen women, I can't tell you how many times, you know, they're, they're kind of whispering over the corner. This is so simple. It just makes so much sense. You know, he just said, you know, or she just said, you know, you know, Muslim management, trigger finger discipline. And it makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid. And this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. So going back to the original question of, of how we teach instructors to communicate is simply how we communicate with the instructors so that it makes sense. And they'll take terms that we use that are simple, easy to understand. Everybody knows what we're, we're talking about. And we present it in a manner in which it makes sense. It's not arguable. And automatically, they're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when we get into things, and I'll I'll carry it on a little bit further, uh, and I'm just kind of jumping around here with with things that kind of deviate from the, the norm. You know, when we talk about stance, uh, as an example, um, it depends on what we're teaching. And people need to realize that. Instructors need to realize that. Uh, if we're talking about competitive shooting, perhaps stance might be applicable. If we're talking about keeping yourself from getting your butt shot off, um, I'm sorry. I don't believe we're going to use the weaver stance or the field interview stance or any other stance. We're going to be in in an improvised position behind cover, hopefully, trying to put ordnance downrange on the target that we're shooting at. And that goes back to what we started off with originally, stabilize the muzzle on the target and operate the trigger without interfering with that stability. That's a non-arguable that will allow you to hit a Mm -hmm. target. That'll also allow you to be confident in your ability to operate. Mm -hmm. So when I talk stance um, to the newbies or to anybody else, as far as that goes, you need balance, mobility, and stability. Okay. You need to have, have the ability to stand up. You have the need to have the ability to move in any of the 360 degrees with equal ease. And you need to be in a position that allows you to stabilize the muzzle on the target. And if you can do that, you can hit the target. And then we go back to what's the objective of shooting? Hitting your target. Mm -hmm. So why do I give a hoot whether your feet are more than shoulders width apart or a little closer together or offset one, one in front of the other or anything else? If you can stabilize the muzzle on the target, why do I care? Mm -hmm. Am I making sense? Yeah, you're making sense because as I tell my students, when it comes to those uh, defensive shooting encounters, um, it's not a weaver, it's not isosceles, it's a save my butt stance, and that is, you know, whatever stance you're in that you can that you can put accurate shots on target. Now that might not win the Olympics, but you're not you're not in the Olympics at that point. You're saving your butt, and and that's the stance that you got to be in. Notice I said earlier, but you know, if you're a competitive shooter. See, I, my, my competitive shooting uh, started off as uh, 2,700 bullseye shooting uh, in, the, in the Army. And uh, so, you know, stance was important. And that, 
that worked out. And um, I, uh, you know, I shot long enough and well enough. I got distinguished with the pistol. And then I, I took a sabbatical from shooting for a little bit. And uh, then the rifle team needed uh, somebody that understood muzzle management and trigger finger discipline. So they picked me up on the, the, uh, the national team for the rifle. And um, I, I shot rifle for a while. And I understood what stance meant you know, for, for rifle and the big heavy leather coat and two sweatshirts and, and 99 degree, hundred percent humidity days at Quantico. Um, and, um, I, I got all that, you know, and I got distinguished with the rifle and that was good. And, um, then I went over to the international combat team and, um, you know, that, that's a, a shooting and moving and running and gunning type operation with all kinds of, of uh, small arms, uh, both uh, U.S. and uh, NATO type small arms. So you had to be very versatile to do all that kind of stuff. So through all that, you know, I, I learned that uh, there's a lot of a lot of variability here. And the, the common thing that we come right back down to is stabilizing the muzzle on the target and operating the trigger without affecting that stability. Doesn't make any difference whether you're shooting a grenade launcher or rifle, pistol, shotgun, you know, whatever. Doesn't make any difference. It's all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you present the material in a simple, easy to understand and easy to reproduce method, you know, what else do you want? Yep. Very, uh, you make it sound very simple, George. Well, I'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell me. Tell me how can a instructor go along and develop the skills to help those students that flinch or they jerk or they close their eyes? What What are your thoughts on that? That's really easy. First thing you got to do is to figure out why they're doing that. All right. And to be real honest with you, uh, Rob, this has been a big frustration on my part because it's very rare that you'll ever find a firearms instructor that will be able to tell a person why they are jerking the trigger or why they're closing their eyes or why they're flinching. And um, not only that, not only why they're doing it, but what to do to fix it. So the answer to the question is this. Um, the, the human brain and the brainstem has two little guys called the amygdala and they're your crisis control center. And if you or I right this minute heard a loud noise that we didn't expect, what would we do? And the answer is we'd close our eyes. We'd tension our muscles. We would look then at what it may have been or in the direction and if it were what we may have anticipated, look for somewhere else to be. Mm-hmm. So we do this automatically. We don't have to think. I mean, it's like touching a hot stove. You don't have to say, well, geez, this is probably going to cause a blister. I probably ought to lose, you know, move my hand. You do this automatically. Right. right. So in the adult learning world, I'm going to sh- put that on hold just for a second, and I'm going to shift gears on you. In the adult learning world, we can juggle about, three to five bits of information. Some people say as many as seven simultaneously uh, when learning new material. 
under stress, that gets lower and lower and lower. And when you see people that come in to learn about firearms, particularly if they are new, you know, some of them are sweating, some of them are nervous, some of them are, you know, basically uncomfortable. There's, a, there's an element of stress there. So I'm going to tell you that probably two to three bits of information is more realistic. So when we tell the students, okay, I want your feet to be more than shoulders width apart with the dominant foot offset to the rear so that the lead edge of the toe is even with the instep of the non-dominant foot. And then we start talking about knees slightly bent. And then we talk about weight and we haven't even got to grip and, and, and uh, trigger manipulation and what your eye, you know, on and on and on. See, we've overloaded the brain with so much information that mm -hmm. when the gun goes off, the amygdala says, holy crap, what was that? And goes and in the startle response. Yeah, well, it, it, exactly. And again, we close our eyes automatically because our vision is our only way to find safety. So we protect our eyes at all costs. And that's the reason you close your eyes. So you've seen this. And I have, and every other instructor that's worth his salt, we give a person a gun, and the first shot goes straight through the middle of the target. And you think, holy cow, I got a live one here. And then the next shot might go into the ground. Mm -hmm. It's because the first shot, they didn't understand. They didn't know what the gun was going to sound like. They didn't know what the the movement of the gun was going to be like. So they just held the gun up on the target and pulled the trigger and shot the middle of the target. They did exactly what you told them to, but exactly. they didn't, they had them processed and had uh, completely absorbed what that's going to be like the repercussion, the loud noise, all those types of things. Yeah. 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 So the, the second shot, they jerked the hell out of the trigger and you tell them don't jerk the trigger. Well, you may as well be telling them, go ahead and jerk the trigger, you know, <clears throat> They can't help it mm -hmm. because their brain, their subconscious brain is saying, holy cow, only a whole lot worse than cow. Uh, what, what have I gotten myself into here? Mm -hmm. All right. So the, the, that's, that's part of it. The noise is part of it. The other part of it is, is when we hold the gun up in front of our face and we pull the trigger, what does the gun do? It jumps. It moves back towards your eyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So again, remember I said protect your eyes because that's your only means of finding safety. Correct. Holy cow. Now we've got another reason to close our eyes. Now we've got a reason to when we pull the trigger to push the gun away so that it doesn't come back towards us and it, it's, it doesn't hit us between the eyes and it's not embedded in our forehead. So now they're flinching and jerking the trigger and doing all kinds of crazy things. So the question is, is how do we fix that problem? Mm -hmm. And the answer is to eliminate the curiosity, to eliminate the fear. And the way we do that is what I call the movement inoculation drill, the, so the, the noise inoculation drill. It's kind of a same, same thing, but what we do, and, and um, I'll, uh, just to save time, I'll explain what we do, and then if we need to discuss it further, uh, we can get into it. 
basically what we'll do is take the student uh, and, and you can do this in mass in some cases, or you can do it one-on-one. Um, I'll just tell you the one-on-one because that, that, that gives you the, the most bang for the buck here. So you take the student to the, to the, uh, the firing line. They've got a safe direction to point the gun in that will absorb the bullets. We don't uh, you know, have any specific spot that they need to aim at. It's just you know, pointing to the dirt bank, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, you have them load the gun, and you have them get in their shooting position, point the gun out in front of them, and you have them close their eyes, and you tell them, okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to fire one shot. You can fire it on your own command whenever you're ready. I want you to listen to the gun, listen to the little pop. See what I just said? Listen Mm -hmm. to the little pop. Not the bang, not the explosion, the little pop. So power suggestion again. Uh, Listen to the little pop. And what I want you to do is I want you to savor that little noise just like you would a lifesaver that you just popped in your mouth. Did I just paint a picture for you? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Could very say a tasty, lot of, uh, ta- yeah. very tasty picture too. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so so I want them to savor that, and you know, if you know something about the student, you know, I mean, if if it's somebody that's a wine drinker, you know, savor that like you would your favorite fine wine. Savors the, the is is the term to listen to it and think about it. All right, so. Well, I'll usually let them shoot one shot. Okay, you good with that? All right, all right. So let's shoot another one. I want you to do the same thing. I want you to listen to the little pop. And this time I want you to feel the push as the gun lifts off the target and settles back to the original location. All right, now what I'm pre-programming that person to do, I I pre-programmed the expectation that the gun's going to lift off the target and it's going to settle back to the same location. So when I get into shooting multiple shots, I'm going to go back to, you remember when I told you the gun's going to lift off the target and settle back to the same location? I want you to do the same thing because you don't have to fight the gun. You don't have to make the gun go back. All you have to do is just to let the recoil happen and let the gun settle right back to the same location. So I'm already pre-programming this person with what's going to take place. So. Basically, what I'll do is I'll, I'll take them through three, four shots, you know, on my command. And then I'll tell them, now, what I'd like for you to do is to shoot and listen to the gun as much as you want to. We've got all the ammunition in the world. So shoot a couple of times. And when you're satisfied that uh, the sound of the gun is actually empowering, that's something that you're controlling and, and you're in charge of, then we can stop. I've never had a person shoot a full magazine of ammunition. It's rare that I ever get them past two or three more shots. And they're like, okay, got it. I know what the gun sounds like. It's of no consequence to my personal safety, so we're good to go. All right? Yeah, that's so good. The, so so the, I've already programmed them. You know, as far as the movement of the gun. Now, let's take the word push just for a second. Don't want to use kick. Don't want to use recoil. They're kind of um, negative, if you will. You know, they're aggressive. But 
if you are in a hotel and the elevator is full, but it looks like there's probably room for one more person, it's okay if you kind of push your way in. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to get too excited about that. Okay. So again, the word push is an acceptable term in our society, and therefore it's non-offensive, um, non-aggressive, if you will. So when the gun pushes back in your hand, that movement of the gun is an acceptable thing. That's an acceptable feature. Mm-hmm. All right. So the, the, the next portion of the inoculation drill is to let the person see how the gun moves. So what I'll do, and, and a lot of times you can just shorten this up. Uh, you know, it's intuitive for me, so it depends on what I, I sense the person is, is affected by. Is sometimes I'll just have them hold the gun up in front of them, and I want you to move your head out of the way, and I want you to look at the front of the muzzle. Just look at the front of the slide, and I want you to shoot a shot. And watch and see how little the gun moves as the muzzle lifts and settles back to the original location. And they'll shoot the gun. Their head's out of the way. So the eyes are are in no danger. They're not in danger of wearing the gun in their forehead or that kind of stuff. And, you know, they'll they'll look at the side of the gun. They see how little it moves. Then I'll have them maybe look and shoot another shot or two at the other side. Again, um... I'm not hurrying this person at all. You know, it's like, would you like to shoot another one? Would you like to shoot one more? It's okay. We got plenty of time, plenty of ammo. Because right now, we are building that foundation for that person to be literally outstanding. They're going to be our star student. And if we hurry that along, First thing you know, they're going to start to misunderstand. It's it's very uh, common for people to say, yeah, I understand, and they ain't got no idea. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that they understand and they're good with it. So let them shoot a couple of shots on one side of the gun, on the other side of the gun, and then look at the back of the slide. Look at the back of the slide and see how little the gun moves in your hands when you pull the trigger. See what I just suggested? Mm-hmm. Again, we're it, it's communication, and it's how we talk to the student. We are programming them what to expect, and it's all positive. There are no negatives here. So mm-hmm. they shoot the gun a couple of times, and, and it's like, well, the gun ain't even moving. I'm like, right. So... There's every reason for you to keep your eyes open and to see the, the sights on the gun and to see the sights on the target and to be able to hit the target when you pull the trigger. So the inoculation drill inoculates the student against the fear of the noise and the movement of the gun. Now they can start worrying about what to do with the sights and what to do with the trigger and therefore be successful. So once we get them started, um, you know, the, 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 the jerking and the healing and all this craziness goes away because there's no need for it. 
Um, there are other reasons that people jerk the trigger. Um, one is visual. But I want to, uh, you know, I, I'm getting a little bit into the weeds here. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't mind as long as you don't mind. And, you know, I don't. I don't want to eat up all the time here. You know, no, I, don't, I don't mind because um, I'm taking notes as you're uh, talking about this because uh, these are some very good points about how we paint the picture for our students, you know, yep. and the words that we choose. And I, I've touched on some of this when I've talked about instructors, but not to the depth that you're going to, George. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this all in just all right. like everybody else is at the same time. Okay, so let me just tell you this. Um, I am so passionate about this that I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm open to discussing it. You know, if, if there's ever a question with you or, you know, the, the instructor organization or any of that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, you know, ask the question and I'll give you the answer. You know, I, there are no secrets. You know, I, I'm not one of these people that, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've got this magic that, uh, you know, that only I've got. And I can't let anybody else. I'll give it to anybody that wants it. And I'm, I'm happy to do it. So um, once we've got uh, the person uh, not flinching and closing their eyes, one of the things that we need to strive to do is to keep their eye focus on the sights through the delivery of the shot. And, you know, that, that is called follow through. And that also is necessary to keep the shot where we need it to go. Now we're talking precision here. Um, Maybe another time we can talk about point shooting versus precision shooting and how all that works and the transition point from one to the other. Or, you know, if you want to go there, we can if we've got time. But the, the main thing I want to get across here is some more non-arguables. So one of the things I like to ask people um, when they're quizzing me about uh, marksmanship and, and refining their techniques and that kind of stuff, is um, so what follows the bullet out of the muzzle? And the answer, of course, is smoke, flash, and blast. Atmospheric disturbance, sometimes I like to call it, because, you know, that, that encompasses all the above. Mm -hmm. So, all right, and, and that's non-arguable, because if you're standing to the side of the gun and you're watching somebody shoot, you can see the smoke, flash, and blast. Um, I've got a picture that, I've had for eons that uh, I was shooting a 357 SIG 226 with two fingers, which I'll come back to in a minute. Uh, and, you know, the, the 357 SIG belched a huge flame, big cone around the, you know, the, the front of the gun. So I, I come back to that if I want to demonstrate or show somebody, but you know, the bottom line is, is you tell me your eye focus is on the front sight when the gun goes bang, right? Okay. So how far is the front sight from the muzzle? And the answer is about three-eighths of an inch on average. Okay. Mm -hmm. So would it be reasonable that if your eye focus were on the front sight when the gun discharged, 
you should see the smoke flash and blast every time the gun goes off, shouldn't you? Uh-huh. And then mm-hmm. the next question is, do you? And then I get a dumbass look most of the time because they don't. <laughs> okay. So mm-hmm. there are two problems here. The eye focus can either be past the gun, which would perhaps show that you didn't see the smoke flash and blast, or the shooter is coordinating a blink at the moment of discharge and their eyes are shut when the gun goes bang. So the answer to that question is this. When we're shooting a semi-automatic, there's this hole in the slide between the front sight and the rear sight. It's called the ejection port. Mm -hmm. Every time you pull the trigger, something comes out of that ejection port. Not arguable. Right. Do you see it? And if you're not seeing it, your eyes are shut because you will catch it out of your peripheral vision if you won't catch it in your central vision. Mm -hmm. If we want to go to revolvers, it's called barrel cylinder gap. If you're not seeing the flash at the barrel cylinder gap, which happens every time you pull the trigger, by the way. Yep. You with me? Inarguable factor. I agree. There you go. (laughs) So, So that just in itself helps a person diagnose how they could shoot a little bit better. If you're not seeing the brass coming out of the gun, if you're not seeing the smoke flash and blast come out of the gun, you know, most of the time, um, there's some improvement that we can make to your shooting system. And again, not arguable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, uh, again, we use our natural attributes. We use all kinds of things in order to be able to um, extract performance out of students. And, uh, you know, another real good one is to understand human vision and how, how the eye works. Um, I, I tell people that the eye can distinguish and the, the behavioral professionals in the, in the, uh, vision field will back me up on this. Um, so we can make uh, a distinction of a minute of angle. And what that means is, is if I had uh, a target downrange and I had a, a, a disc or a spotter or a, a paper plate even in the center of that target, and everybody looked at it and saw it. And I said, okay, now turn around, look the other way. And I rushed down range real quick and I moved that paper plate over one inch. And then I came back and said, now, can you tell me that there was, there's something different there? Or does it look the same? Almost everybody's going to tell you there's something different. And they may be able to even tell you, you moved it over to the left just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what that means is the ability to distinguish the position of the muzzle on a target. And one of the things that I like to, to uh, encourage people to do is to shoot the shape. And what that means is um, instead of putting a bullseye target up, whether we're shooting close or far, you know, use an eight inch paper plate and shoot for the center of the eight inch paper plate. You don't have a spot or a dot or an X ring to shoot at. You're shooting the shape. Now, how this is important 
when we go over to the defensive end of things, if we have to shoot somebody, are they going to be standing there, you know, face on and say, all right, here's my little bullseye right here in the middle. Shoot me right there. No, they're not going to be. I, I, I don't think so. You may have to shoot a partial head, partial torso, partial anything. And if you've got your gun so that the dot in the front sight, the night sight, is where your point of focus is, you put the dot on the shape that you intend to hit, just like you would a red dot sight on a rifle. Mm -hmm. Put the dot on it and shoot it. So the only thing you've got to do with iron sights is look through the window. This is another one of those words. Look through the window of the rear sight notch. And if you look at the dot through the window, it will automatically center. And if you zero your gun so that the bullets hit where the dot is on the target, all you've got to do is to put the dot on it and pull the trigger without moving the muzzle any more than it already is, and you will hit the target every time. Again, mm -hmm. not arguable. So I use all kinds of different little sight pictures and different this, that, and the other, you know, just in describing, you know, what people need to do. But if you talk to a person about looking through the window of the rear sight, it can be an aperture sight of a rifle. It can be a square notch sight of a pistol. doesn't make any difference. If you look at the dot through the aperture, it will automatically center left, right, and top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Just put the dot on it and pull the trigger, and you got hits on target. You know, screw this equal amounts of light on either side and, you know, and all that crap. That's all bullshit anyway. Excuse my mm -hmm. French, but, uh, you know, I... <laughs> I, I can, uh, I can explain why it's BS, um, and that's one of the things that instructors need to be able to do when they're communicating with their students. And the student says, "Why is this instructor so and so?" And um, you know, you you need to be versed in what you're doing so that you can tell them why. Mm -hmm. And the three things that, are, you know, an instructor needs to be really tuned in uh, with are the three things necessary to deliver shots to the target. That's how human vision works. That's number one. Uh, number two, how the hands and the body work. Biomechanics is what I call it. And um, number three is how the brain works. And I tell people all the time, the body achieves what the mind believes. And the mind will believe anything that you tell them that makes sense. If it's non-arguable, the mind will believe it and the body will do it. Well, and it George. Comes, comes right back to stabilize the muzzle on the target, operate the trigger, and you've got hits on target. Mm -hmm. I've got two pages of notes already just from our uh, little conversation here. Okay. So that's been... Um, been a wealth of information and also sure. highlight a few other topics that we probably need to have you on uh to talk a little bit deeper on um than this than we can allow in this podcast so uh, uh great information here really some great gems for instructors to take and try try it with their students to try to and again our, our podcast is is 
here to help instructors make the best students that they possibly can because those are the people that are going to be caring every day there those are the people that are going to be defending themselves um you know down the road and yep we we owe it to them as instructors to give them the best uh instruction that we possibly can and that's what the basis of this podcast is all about right well i'm serious about it and i'm passionate about it and uh, for those that want to know more the uh instructor's corner column and concealed carry magazine is something i write every month so uh that would be something good to take a look at and uh, i write for shooting illustrated too so i throw a few little tidbits of wisdom out there and that and i'm always willing to to help people if they run into a spot so to speak um Definitely uh, keeping you uh, handy, George, because this is uh, great information important. Uh, you know, especially if I run into a student that I'm having problems with, maybe we can talk through it and you give me some good ideas on how to help that student out and be the best they can be. I haven't found one that I couldn't fix yet. Now they, you know, tomorrow's another day. I'm not, not, uh, you know, so presumptuous to think I'm that great, but, uh, you know, track record speaks for what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, George. Um, can you tell us an influential uh, mentor that's helped uh, you get to where you are today in, in the industry? I'll keep this short. But uh, when I was three years old, my grandmother, um, who was probably the most influential person on me uh, at the early age, um, came out of the house and looked up in a tree and there was a squirrel up in the tree barking up a storm and she wasn't happy. Uh, my grandmother was born in 1880. So uh, she had a bonnet on, pin on apron, um, you know, typical country uh, woman, pioneer type woman, drove a covered wagon once upon a time. But anyhow, um, she went back in the house and she brought a, what I later found out was an H&R nickel plated 22 revolver. And she placed her left hand on her hip and her right hand on the revolver, thumb cocked the hammer. And at the crack of the gun, the squirrel hit the ground. The only thing she could have done that would have been even more um, impacting on me was to twirl the gun on her index finger and blow the smoke out of the barrel, you know. But, uh, you know, she <laughs> shot the squirrel. She walked back in the house, put the gun away. And I'm like, holy hell. And that's the reason I am <laughs> what I am today. So, you know, the, I, I can go through a, a series of crossroads in life. And I tell people I am just so lucky because I either tripped and fell through the right door or somebody kicked me in the ass and pushed me through and I didn't know it. But uh, you're talking about being lucky. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm grateful and thankful for everything and all the challenges and everything else. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still learning and I still love teaching. And, um, you know, this, this is what I do. I've never had a, you know, gone to work a day in my life. It's always been a pleasure to do what I do. So. Well, that sounds like you've, you've had a great career and, uh, look forward to catching you up at uh uscca expo down in uh, fort worth or potentially some other place uh where we can meet up and uh talk about instructing love to again love to anytime and uh very informative george and as always we greatly appreciate you sharing your knowledge uh both when you write your columns as well as your time here on the podcast uh sharing your knowledge and uh, helping all our listeners uh, be better instructors and better uh 
coaches in life overall. Let, let me leave all the, to all the instructors. Remember, you're always on stage. So act like it, you know, in, in your actions, your, your, the way you dress, the way you talk and everything else, because there are many, many people out there that look to you for information, even though you don't realize it. Amen. And with that, George, thank you for your time. All right, sir. Good day. That's a wrap for this episode and also the last episode of season three. And I hope you found it interesting. Next week, we'll begin season four with some great topics. As we go into our fourth season, I'd like to ask each and every listener out there to share your favorite episode on your Facebook wall. Tweet out something you learned from an episode or just recommend the podcast to somebody you know. We appreciate you listening and hope you can help us reach more people with our message. Do you have a topic you'd like to talk about? Do you know someone I should interview? Email me your suggestions at ftp at concealedcarry.com. We'd also like you to leave us feedback on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast app. This also helps us get the word out about our podcast and the quality information we share. You can also leave us comments on our Facebook page or on our website at farmtrainerpodcast.com. Our website also allows you to search our previous episodes on things like dealing with challenges, emergency first aid, additional training, and the social media challenge. Remember, visit our sponsor, Specialist Fire Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. And remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you next week in Season 4. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.